I'm getting really sick and tired of Republicans who want to talk about Joe Biden's supposed cognitive gaffes. And you look at them and you say, is this really a cognitive gaffe? But say nothing about the dozens per week, cognitive dozens per month. Let me be fair. Dozens per month cognitive gaffes that Donald Trump seems to be having. Here's the latest example. Here's Kaylee McEnany two days ago on Fox News saying, oh, Joe Biden forgot the name of a CBS reporter. That's the gaffe. No. And, and then gaffes. I mean, you know, not knowing the name of the CBS reporter. Yes, it's the commander in chief. Yes, he has a lot to know. But that moment where, you know, it's Weijia Zhang. She was in the briefing room when I was there. He doesn't know her name. He's struggling clearly. He continues gaff after gaff tonight. Remember, when they say gaff after gaff no, after gaff, and, and then gaffes, I they don't name them. He forgot a reporter's name, which, by the way, Trump did all the time. He referred to one reporter as Mr. Kurd, which wasn't his name. I think he thought the guy was Kurdish. He called Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, Tim Apple. He referred to the CEO of Lockheed Martin as Marilyn Lockheed. That's not her name. And also, Trump will not stop saying things that aren't about forgetting someone's name. It's about forgetting about the real world. It's about forgetting what's going on. For example, Donald Trump getting the name of the city that he is in incorrect. And a very big hello to a place where we've done very well. Sioux Falls. Thank you very much, Sioux Falls. And it turns out that Donald Trump was actually in Sioux City. Donald Trump repeatedly claiming that Hungary has a border with Russia. It doesn't. Viktor Orban. Did anybody ever hear of Viktor Orban? He's the head of Hungary. Hungary fronts on both Ukraine and Russia. It doesn't. Hungary has no border with Russia. Trump repeatedly referring to the terrorist group Hamas as Hamas and apparently getting very hungry at these events. I don't know. Customs and Border Patrol distributed a warning that Hamas has anyone ever heard of Hamas? Hamas. Has anybody ever heard of it? Multiple times referring to Hamas that way, multiple times claiming that Barack Obama is still president of the United States. And by the way, this one, I could play. What, eight examples of this one? Here's just one. They uh, were interviewing him two weeks ago and they said, uh, what would you advise President Obama? The whole world seems to be exploding and imploding. And he said, it's very simple. He should immediately resign and they should replace him with President Trump. There you go. Obama should resign immediately, regularly saying this, also suggesting that Joe Biden could get us into World War Two and possible nuclear war. Just think of it. We would be in World War Two very quickly, super quick. We would be finding ourselves in World War Two and also saying that Jeb Bush invaded Iraq. He did not, by the way. Well, the season starts. We start in Iowa. We go to New Hampshire. We come down here. You know, the beauty was when I came here, everyone thought Bush was going to win. And then they took a poll and they found out Trump was up by about 50 points. Everyone said, what's going on <laughs> right here? They thought Bush because Bush supposedly was a military person. Great. Right. You know what? He was a military. He got us into the uh, he got us into the Middle East. How did that work out? Right. He did. But they all thought that uh, Bush might win. Jeb. Remember Jeb? He used he used the word Jeb. He didn't use the word Bush. I said, you mean he's ashamed of the last name? And then they 
So listen, I could play these the entire show. There's a dozen of these a month. And over the last five months, there, there's dozens and dozens of these. I just want the hypocrisy to stop. Either you're concerned about Biden legitimately, and thus you have to be four times as concerned about Trump, or you're not concerned about either. Or you say, well, I'm sort of concerned, but it's more about the teams they will have around them. And if you ask me, even if Trump and Biden are both demented, we know that somehow Joe Biden is ending up with a competent team around him that's accomplishing so much and so much good, whereas Donald Trump would be an authoritarian nightmare. So, oh, Biden forgot someone's name. It's falling very flat. We have more leaked video of Trump's lawyers. This time it is Trump's former lawyer, Sidney Powell, who is out of her mind completely. This is yet more leaked video from Georgia. Remember that Sidney Powell took a plea in Georgia. Jenna Ellis took a plea. Kenneth Cheesebro took a plea. And in this leaked deposition video, which was obtained by ABC, the uh, judge there trying to put a stop to these leaks after these came out, here is Sidney Powell talking about how people would go to Trump and they would say, sir, you lost. And it would be completely insane. This is fascinating stuff. There was a big shouting match in which Rudy called me every name in the book. And um, I was the worst lawyer he'd ever seen in his life. Uh, there were no circumstances under which he'd work with me on anything. He called me a bitch and I don't know what all. And that's pretty much all I remember about that one. Did I know anything about election law? No. But I understand fraud from having been a prosecutor for 10 years. What was um, President Trump's sense of what you would do as special counsel? I guess he assumed and I would have thought that I would have looked at uh, putting into effect a provision of 13848 that would have allowed the machines to be secured. They're talking about taking control of voting machines. This was one of the completely illegal things that Trump wanted to do. Take the voting machines. Four or five states. How do you choose which states that you would target? How would I have chosen that? By the ones where there were the most uh, statistical anomalies. Ms. Powell, were you ever around when someone, anyone, told Donald Trump that he had lost the election. Oh, yeah. Who? Uh, Pat Cipollone, Eric Hirschman, Derek Lyons all thought he'd lost. Was that in the December 18th meeting? Yes. What, what was um, President Trump's reaction when, I guess, this cadre of advisors would say you lost? It was like, uh, well, they would say that and then they'd walk out. And he'd go see this is what I deal with all the time. <laughs> all these people are coming in here trying to tell me I lost this thing. He was specifically willing to appoint me special counsel. In fact, he looked over at Cipollone three different times and said, do I have the authority to name her special counsel? And Cipollone said, yes, you do. And then somebody said, well, she doesn't have a security clearance. So he looked at Cipollone and he said, do I have the authority to give her a security clearance? And Cipollone said, yes, you do. And then about the third time we went through that scenario, uh, Cipollone, I think, said, you can name her anything you want, Mr. President, and nobody's going to pay a bit of attention to it. <laughs> well, it turns out 
that many prosecutors were actually paying attention or they started paying attention once we figured out how insane this all was. This these videos that have leaked from Georgia, the Jenna Ellis video about an advisor told me Trump's just not going to leave um, the Jonathan Carl audio about how Trump really believed he might be reinstated somehow in 2022 or 2023. This video, it is becoming abundantly clear that even if Trump believed he lost, I don't know if he believed he lost. He continued to believe there were mechanisms through which he could stay in the White House and remain president. And they're thinking about making him president again. That's what we have to prevent. Sidney Powell seems to now be out of the way. A lot of these hangers on are out of the way. But Project 2025, Agenda 47, the Heritage Foundation, they have tens of thousands of loyalists lined up to show up and say, sir, I'm here. Uh, what do you want me to do? If Trump were to win, it must be prevented. If you live in the United States, did you know that anyone can access your most private information using people search sites? These are sites populated with information from data brokers. They have access to your social security number, login credentials, addresses, location history, even your online activity. That is not information about yourself that you want floating around. And the solution is our sponsor Incogni with just a couple of clicks. You can grant Incogni permission to go to work for you. They contact the data brokers on your behalf. They say remove this person's data and they ensure that your private data will stay private. Incogni will also handle disputes on your behalf, keeps you updated on progress every step of the way. They tell you how many data search sites they've gotten your information removed from, which ones they're working on and other information. So this can protect you from identity theft. It can keep entities from looking up your information like insurance companies, financial institutions, your employer. It can cut down on spam and telemarketing calls. And the first hundred people to use the code Pacman get 60 percent off when you go to incogni.com slash Pacman. That's I N C O G N I dot com slash Pacman, which gives you 60 percent off. The link is in the podcast notes. Many of you have heard me talk about the hacking that I've dealt with in the past. Look up the statistics. If it hasn't happened to you, it still could at some point. Our sponsor Aura is the all in one solution that I use to keep all of our accounts safe. Aura will scan the dark web for your personal info, email, password, social security number, and will alert you if it's found and will help you take steps to fix it. You'll get alerts about suspicious credit inquiries. Aura will monitor bank accounts and home and auto titles to help protect you against fraud. And Aura also will protect your actual devices from malware and scams with state of the art antivirus and a call screener. And Aura will help you manage what your kids can do on their devices with easy to use parental device controls. You can try Aura for free for two weeks at Aura.com slash Pacman. Your login credentials might already be floating around out there somewhere. It takes just a few seconds to use the Aura free trial to find that out. That's A-U-R-A dot com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes.
The David Pakman show continues to be an audience supported program. We have this thing called the membership program, much like Obamacare is now just part of the country. Membership is no longer an appendage we could clip off. It's part of the show. And you can sign up at joinpacman.com and you'll get instant access to the world's famous bonus show, the commercial free audio and video feeds, all of these different things. And it is super inexpensive. Consider signing up at joinpacman.com. It is our primary source of funding. Let's go and hear from some people in the audience. We take calls on the Friday show via Discord. You can find it Discord at our Discord at davidpackman.com slash Discord. It's completely free. I'm not selling you anything other than a free good time. We are going to start today with Patrick from North Idaho, who is an undecided voter. Patrick, welcome. Tell me what's on your mind today. It's great to be with you, David. Pleasure. As I wipe the tears from my eyes. Of course. I would assume that you would agree that the Republican Party has, well, the Republican Party name has been hijacked. Hmm. By MAGA Trumpists, you mean? You know, every time a MAGA Trumpist says a Republican in name only to another Republican. Right. It seems to me that they're stealing just a little bit more of that name. Yeah. I mean, I think where I would agree with you is MAGA Trumpism is very different than what Republicans have historically been. It may be what the Republican Party is now becoming. Right. So to say they've stolen the name, they what they might have done is stolen the party, but it remains to be seen. That does, you know, and I would say when we're when we're looking at issues like cultism, um, even issues as far as anger management and addiction go, we're dealing with a a chemical, a brain chemical, you know, that's being triggered over and over. Like I kind of look at it like a kleptomaniac that steals a thousand Tootsie Rolls a day from the penny candy store. Mm. Yet QAnon and Fox are the owners of the candy store and keep triggering that person to come back in the door. <laughs> I agree. I agree with the analogy so far. You know, would it would it be safe to say that every person has to find their own rock bottom when it comes to addiction and we can't necessarily force our ourselves upon these folks and they are good. folks. Well, they, that's they are. A, that starts to be an accelerationist sort of argument that in order to go back to being something mildly sane, the Republican Party first needs to be completely destroyed from the inside. And you may not be wrong. You know, I'm not an accelerationist in general, but when it comes to what is going to be a wake up call to this party, that they are going in a very bad direction, that's also not useful to them politically. It may require an even further destruction than they've experienced so far. I I hate to say and I, I hate to. I think it's going to take a, a new party. I think the Republican Party is really now the mega party. And, and it's hard to say that. A lot of them are going to have to hit rock bottom and then a new party, I think, is going to have to be formed. Well, in that in that context, you say you're undecided. What what's going on with that? It doesn't sound like you're considering voting for Trump. Well, I'm not anymore, actually. Probably probably as of this past couple of weeks, it's it's been a, a real cold, hard look. And and as well as the society that I'm raised in, the the community that I've been a part of, a lot of folks are, are really starting to come around and realize that pretty much been duped. Right. 
Been so you're to. voting Biden? Um, yeah, for the, I'm basically as of right now, I would say yes. I would say right. I'm, I'm a Biden supporter for sure. All right, Patrick from North Idaho. Thank you so much for the call. Let's go next to Jimmy James from New York City. Jimmy James, welcome to the David Pakman show. What's on your mind today? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you for accepting. I am a longtime listener. Um, so, you know, I um, I personally think it's terrible to platform hate speech and that sort of thing. And I love the way you break down their arguments, but in your mind, like, is it because you're giving them negative pushback? Like, what do you what do you feel the difference between you platforming someone like Mike Lindell versus somebody else is? I love it. Okay, so this is a perfectly legitimate question. When in an attempt to rebut bad ideas, do you actually end up supporting them by giving them a platform? So I basically use a three part test to determine, should I give some extreme view a platform on my show? It's a three part test. I write about this in my forthcoming book. I've talked about it before. Number one, are the ideas that they are espousing already popular or known enough that some people have fallen for them with Mike Lindell. I believe the answer is yes. More than half of the Republican Party has fallen for his lies about the election. So that's question number one for the test. Number two question for the test. Is this individual a prominent enough advocate for I'm going to turn you down a little bit because there's a lot of noise going on in the background. Is the person a prominent enough advocate of these policies that they would be somebody to rebut? I would argue that in the case of Mike Lindell, for example, he is one of the more well-known election deniers. And then number three, do I feel that I can responsibly uh, platform them in order to make clear they're not convincing me of their ideas? I don't believe that their ideas are true. If the answer is yes, then I will say I'm in a platform and, and try to fight against these views. I'll give you an example of how this changes over time. I used to interview the Westboro Baptist Church people. These are the God hates fags people. At the time that I interviewed them, there was much more overt homophobia and opposition to gay marriage. The Westboro Baptist Church was far more prominent, and I felt I was equipped to push back against their ideas. Since then, why have I stopped interviewing them? Nobody's paying attention to them. And fortunately, gay marriage is now legal. And that type of overt homophobia has diminished, although other types are now common as well. So now I no longer interview the Westboro Baptist Church. Does does this three part test make sense to you, Jimmy? Yeah, it does. And that's kind of what I thought. But uh, that's all I've got today. And I appreciate you answering the question. All right, Jimmy James from New York City. Great to hear from you. Let's go next to Liv from North Carolina. Liv from North Carolina, welcome to the show. What's on your mind today? Hey, David. Uh, just want to say hi to Pat in Ohio real quick. Um, but first, uh, my question is, where do you see trans rights going in the next few years as they've sort of been swept under the uh, carpet with all the recent stuff? What, what, what has swept them under the carpet? What do you mean by that? Uh, just more that like more things like 
the war and everything going on recently with the Republican Party oh, I see. Be kind of pushing everything over. So I'll give you the two sides to this. Number one, as far as the antipathy targeting and persecution of trans people that has now become an obsession of the Republican Party, eventually they're going to move on to something else. So the good news, I guess I would say for the trans community is that the Republican Party isn't obsessed with the same people forever, right? You know, after 9-11, it was Muslims. That was the number one priority for a while. It was gay men. Now they're really focused in on trans people. Eventually, there will be some shiny new object. Unfortunately, whoever their next scapegoat is, is going to have a bad time, but it's not going to go on forever with the trans community in terms of legislation. I believe that there are some really basic things that are going to be codified and enshrined as just fundamental protections for everybody, uh, regardless of gender identity, sexual orientation, etc. cetera. Uh, I think the, the bathroom stuff is going to get sorted out. I think a lot of these things I do believe over the next seven to 10 years progress will be made. I am not sure where the trans sports thing is going to go. Now, I've already said, Liv, I don't think it's a big issue in the sense that 0.6 percent of people identify as trans. Only some of them are trans women. Only some of them play sports. Only some of them play sports at a level where we need to worry about this. Only some of them are in sports in which muscle mass is the primary determining factor. I don't think it's the biggest issue, but I think the trans sports debate will probably stick around for a while. Because it's a really useful, useful hot button issue for Republicans. All right. Thank you so much, David. All right. Liv from North Carolina. Thank you so much from the call for the call. Let's go to Jessica from Indiana, who says, uh, Jessica, you're undecided in this election. Tell me about that. Well, I mean, I'm kind of undecided, but that's just more me being undecided because I really don't like either candidate because I'm so far left. And I'm okay. undecided if I'm going to vote for Biden this year or if I'm just going to abstain. And what, if you abstain, what would be the purpose of that? I, I my morals do not line up with obviously Trump or anyone out of the GOP or Biden or most of the Democratic Party right now, even someone like Bernie Sanders, who's the most far left in American politics right now. Yeah, even he is. Uh, uh, saying support for Israel. Uh huh. Well, let's explore that a little bit. For example, on the issue of taxation, do you think that higher taxes on the very rich should be used to fund government programs? Is that a statement you agree with? 100%. 100%. Are you aware that your view on that issue is much closer to Joe Biden's than it is Trump's? Oh, I'm I'm very aware of that. And that's why I said I I'm not sure if I'm going to abstain or if I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. Trump isn't right. even on my mind uh, about voting. But Biden is also so far away from my point of view that I don't know if I can find it morally correct to vote for him. Well, let me ask. Let me frame it in a different way. And by the way, everything you're saying is completely legitimate. This is a matter of opinion and priorities and everybody has a right. Let me ask you this. Morally, would you be OK if you knew you took an action that was more more helpful to Trump becoming president than Biden. Let's like let's make it abstract just to start with. If you knew 
Jessica from Indianapolis acted in a way that was useful to Trump and hurtful to Biden in terms of determining the next president. Can you live with that morally? Well, in one hand, I live in Indiana, but for the sake of the argument, yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. So I, I mean, agree. What's, it's not a question of do you agree? Are you comfortable taking an action that helps Trump defeat Biden? Yeah, that's fair now. No, but are are you com it's a yes or no question. Are you comfortable no, with that? You're not comfortable with that. I think no, that's the answer then morally as to what it is you have to do. OK, fair. And I yeah. have one more question and I'll keep it very brief sure. with how uh, the Re Republican Party has been in, has been imploding on itself with electing Mike Johnson to Marjorie Taylor Greene to yes. the GOP debates as of recent. Do you think this is even though this might be terrible right now? And none of us want this. Do you think this is going to benefit the left wing later on down the road? You know, I'm cautiously optimistic that it will, but I'm not going to hang my hat on that. I still think the left needs to seek out victories on its own that don't depend on just Republicans hurting themselves. How would they go about doing that? Uh, can continue to make the case that some Republicans have been making, which is, hey, look, Look at all of these advancements for labor under the current Democratic slate of candidates and Joe Biden. Look at the advancements when it comes to reducing the price of pharmaceutical drugs, when it comes to funding infrastructure. Look at all these things we've done while Republicans are just doing their own thing rather than engaging so much on litter boxes and whatever else the case. Show all the things that have actually been accomplished. No president has ever forgiven as much student loan debt as Joe Biden has forgiven. There are really good accomplishments here. Run on that would be my advice. Fair enough. Thank you so much for your time. All right, Jessica from Indianapolis. Great to hear from you. Let's go next to Kevin from San Diego. Kevin from San Diego. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind today, sir? Hey there, David. Um, yeah, I was just calling. It's uh, a lot of people are calling in about, you know, uh, important issues and all of these things. I actually wanted to kind of confront you on something that is personal to your show and your stuff. OK, um, so, you know, your your book, right? Your your kid's book that you have there. I haven't actually read the second one, but I well, got the yes, first there's one. think like a detective and think like a scientist, both bestsellers uh, on Amazon. Incredible. Well, yeah, and that's great, and I congratulate you for that. Thank you. But I don't know if you you changed this for the Think Like a Scientist book, but in Think Like a Detective, I believe all of the images that you used were created using AI. And yeah, they were. So basically, they were. We created a template, used AI to place the template in certain situations, and then did our own edits to the images. So it's like we created them with AI assistance. We would say. OK, so I'm just wondering why you didn't um, why you didn't want like commission an artist or artists to assist you with like the creation of the book, uh, because like, you know, AI art is kind of a major thing that really um, impacts the uh, especially the independent art community, people who kind of a decent amount of their income comes from taking commissions and having uh, small projects that they work on regularly. Totally legitimate question, and I'm glad to answer it. Basically, I am I am completely supportive of that path, and I think that it is a great thing for us. The important things were doing this in a way that it didn't end up costing us money out of pocket. And number two, 
getting the book out relatively quickly. We spoke to artists who expressed some interest in working with us. The prices they wanted to charge would have made the entire thing um, a, a cost to us, which we just we can't afford to lose money on it. And most quoted us four to six or six to eight months to turn over the artwork to us. And it's just a timeline that would have made the entire thing non feasible. So we made the call that, listen, what we're trying to do here at the end of the day is get the story I wrote out in front of our audience as quickly as possible at a particular time where the issue of books for children is in the news. There's a demand for this sort of thing. There's a utility to it. Getting it out like around election time and spending it, you know, it, it for us, we decided to prioritize getting it out and getting it out quick over some of these other things. And people can disagree with that. Yeah, I'm fine I, if people say, hey, you know what, David, I don't buy it. It was the wrong thing to do. That's perfectly fine. That was the call we made. And for the reasons I said, I would say that um, for your initial initial book and possibly even sort of the second one, that yeah. could be a, a reasonable consideration, everything. But at this point, considering that you have seen a lot of interest in the books, you've seen that the sort of series works well, you've seen how everything has worked out. Do you think it might be time to switch to the, uh, let's say, more ethical version of creating the art for the book that actually using some sort of using actual artists instead of the AI uh, creation process? I would be glad to explore that. And if there are artists in the audience who want to chat with me about it, please email in and we will explore it. I mean, I'll just tell you, the third book is about halfway done and we're looking to publish it in roughly two months. And the fourth book, which is going to be think like a voter planned to be published at a very specific time in the context of the 2024 election. If people can meet these deadlines at a cost that is logical for the small nature of what we're doing, I'm glad to explore that. Absolutely. Mm. Well, uh, I certainly hope it can be done. I'm not personally that much of an artist. I just uh, I'm kind of trying to be an advocate for the uh, the art community. So right. uh, a lot of them are very uh, you know, incensed about AI art and what's going on with it. So understood. All right, Kevin from San Diego. Thank you so much for the call. We're going to take the quickest of breaks and then we're going to keep chatting with people. So if you're holding on to talk to me, don't go anywhere. When I'm working on the show or doing stuff on my computer, staying focused and getting in the zone is super important. It's not always easy. I would try Spotify or YouTube playlists. I'd end up actually more distracted than focused. And then someone told me about Brain FM's focus music, which is actually made by scientists working with musicians specifically to help you focus. I tried it and it worked really well for me, which is why I asked them to be a sponsor. With Brain FM, I just feel more productive and focused, easier to start on difficult work, easier to stay focused without getting distracted and do that really important deep work that I love to talk about. The team behind Brain FM actually won a National Science Foundation grant related to ADHD. And the app includes a special mode just for ADHD if you need it. They even have amazing sleep sounds that I've started using at night. You can try Brain FM totally free for an entire month. Just go to brain.fm slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. 
if you sit all day long while you work and you've never tried a desk that can transition between sitting and standing, it really is a game changer. I've had an uplift desk for a while. I use it every day to record the show, prepare for the show, do my office work. I'm sitting at an uplift desk at this very moment, and I've been using uplift desks for many years. We wanted them to be a sponsor, and we finally were able to make it happen. Standing while I work helps me get the creative juices flowing. I feel more productive. I'm focused. I'm more alert. And it's also healthier. I'm just moving around more. My circulation is better, which is just good for your health. I use the uplift standing desks because they don't wobble totally stable, even with all of my show equipment on them. The build quality is just tremendous, and you can completely customize the desk by choosing from over a hundred desktop choices, hundreds of accessories. I have a whole bunch of them, including a USB hub and a keyboard tray and all sorts of things. They have free shipping, free returns, free return shipping, and an industry leading 15 year warranty. My audience gets 5% off when you go to upliftdesk.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman. That's U P L I F T desk.com slash Pacman. Then use the code Pacman for 5% off. The info is in the podcast notes. All right, let's hear from some more people. We do these calls via Discord. DavidPacman.com slash Discord is the place to go. Let's go to our old friend from Atlanta. Is the right pronunciation Jire? I, I hope I'm getting that right. It's Jira. Jira. Okay. Welcome back to the program. Yes. Uh, I just like to ask. Uh, I'm a member, but like uh, I kind of take a little bit of a, like a question mark with some of your take. Like when you say like the Republican Party has moved on from uh, like whether it's like Muslims or like gay men, I feel like they don't really ever move on. They just kind of like stick that in their back pocket and like they constantly like come back and like make nods to it. Of Everyone's course, so- I'm not I'm yeah. not pretending that there's no more Islamophobia in the Republican Party. I just mean a big presence when they want to get applause and whatever is talking about pronouns and, you know, weightlifters and swimmers and this sort of thing. Okay, I guess that clears it up. So I guess I can go to a secondary question I had since sure. that kind of cleared up. Do you sure. think that Republicans will move on to uh, a lot more like voter restriction uh, laws uh, since they're on this trend of losing elections? Uh, since that seems to be a very tool, a good tool that they like to come out with, like when the part of the Voting Rights Act got uh, reversed back in the 2012 ish area, I of believe. Course. It's not even do I think they will do it. They're doing it even, you know, in the lead up to the 2020 election, they restricted voting hours, did voter roll purges, tried to put in place new requirements in order to register, tried to prevent any kind of covid related changes uh, from being made to how and when people can vote, vote by mail, absentee, et cetera. They're continuing to do it now. It's it's not do I think it's they've been doing this consistently. Comfortably, we can say dating back to 2012, but really even further back than that. Okay, I got it. Thank you. Uh, That's all I had. All right. Thank you so much for the call. Great to hear from you again. Why don't we go next to. uh, Oh, I don't know. Maybe uh, let's go to Devin from California. Devin from California. Welcome to the program. Devin, welcome. Yes, I can. Oh, okay. Um, So I saw your segment the other day um, from feedback from the audience 
denying uh, that anyone had ever landed on the moon. Yes. Um, I just wanted to ask, uh, why is it that people who believe in the mythos of religion have such a hard time accepting uh, evidence-based like scientific discoveries like evolution or something like the moon landing? So that's a really interesting question, because it sounds like you're pointing out that there's a bit of a double standard, which is if you are willing to believe things for which there is no evidence, why is it so hard for you to believe things for which there is evidence? Right. Is that sort of the point you're making, Devin? Yeah, exactly. So that you your approach makes so much sense to folks like you and me who think when there is evidence, that's better than when there isn't. That's your mm. framework. That's my framework. But let me propose to you that some of these folks have a different framework for some of these folks. Evidence doesn't matter. And so if you enter by saying evidence doesn't matter, I'm going to believe what I've been convinced of, what feels good, what makes me think that the afterlife will be better or whatever. If if your approach is anything can be believed or not based on how I feel, then it's much more easy to understand why they accept the myths of their religion without evidence, because that's just what they want. It's what makes them feel good, et cetera. But they would reject things for with, for which mm. there is evidence because it just doesn't matter. They don't prioritize evidence over no evidence the way you would or the way I would. OK, OK, well, shoot, <laughs> it's an unfortunate well, situation. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> Sounds like a problem. Well, thank All you right. for taking my call. Have Devin a nice from day. California, thank you so much for the call. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Uh, okay, why don't we go next? Again, there's so many folks here. Why don't we go to Leah from Wisconsin? Leah from Wisconsin, welcome to the David Pakman Show. Let's uh, let's hope. Hi, welcome. Welcome. Hi, I am a huge supporter. I watch you every day, probably multiple times a day. Thank you. Yes. Um, so I have two things. First of all, I'd like to say I am a Biden supporter, have been, and I am an ad duck because I am a Christian who um, likes guns, but I just believe that there should be restrictions. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Okay. So my questions are, one is the holidays are coming up and- yes. The holidays that I'm going to has a bunch of mega people. So I don't know how to address that, but I do have to go. Last year, um, I had a little child, kind of like you do, and they thought that they didn't have to say if they were sick or not. Um, someone had COVID, they didn't want to tell us, and now <laughs> yeah, it's a disaster. So I don't even know how to address that. Right. What do you think I should do? Or, so are you asking me whether I think you should go to the, the family holiday events? Because no, there's I mag- have to go. You have to go. Yes. So what's the question? How am I going to act or what do you what kind of things do you think I can do? Because they do bring up politics. Oh, I, so here's the thing. If you don't want it to become an adversarial situation, just don't engage with the political stuff. You know, it, in general, in these situations, unless someone is really determined to create a problem, they might bring up political stuff. You can just, you know, shut your mouth and 
play with your kid or whatever and, and not engage. And if that's your preference, then that's one approach. If you don't care about arguing with people and you want to actually tell these people, I don't agree with what you're saying, then you can choose to engage with them. But don't don't feel like you have to engage in political discussions at the holidays. You don't you don't have to. It's up to you. OK, they they kind of make it a thing. And some of them actually switched from being Democrat to Republican. So it is a very uneasy they situation. switched they switched recently no they had they had last voted for trump in 2016 but oh, before that before that they were strong democrats and i really don't understand but that how old are a lot of these people um they are like in their late 40s interesting okay yeah, well I listen don't... my my advice would be approach it based on what you want to get out of it. If you want to get out the out of it, the feeling that you didn't get railroaded with views you didn't like, but maybe you ruined some of the relationships, then argue with people. If you want to get out of it calm and just kind of floating along and, and not stirring the pot, then just ignore the political discussions. It's really up to what you want to get out of it. Okay, great. Um, one more thing. So sure. I am in a swing state, as you know, Wisconsin. Yes. Um, I am a little concerned because I'm noticing a little bit that people are either saying they're not going to vote. The people that I've known were Democrats. Yeah. Or they're drinking some of the Kool-Aid and believing what the mega are telling them about inflation and gas prices. When you and I both know that it mostly doesn't even have to do with Biden or the Democrats. Also, inflation was zero last month and it's down to three point two percent year over year. So it's also like, what are you even talking about? Right. I guess I saw that. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't even know what. So here's what I my can advice on that. We, what, for what the ones for, for the people you're referring to who are on the left, but they might stay home. You should really be clear with them about what the stakes are. The election could come down to Wisconsin. And their vote quite literally could end up determining who is the president of the United States. Like there's no need to sugarcoat it, right? It's not California where Biden's going to win easily. It's not uh, Nebraska where Trump's going to win easily. The election could come down to Wisconsin. And are they comfortable staying home and potentially making Trump president of the United States? I would make it super clear to them. The thing the thing that I'm wondering, is there any way to get to round up people to come do some political stuff out here. Like I know people like stars and whatnot. I don't have hundred percent. So like here's, here's the thing. Oh, you're saying celebrities. Well, you know, people like you or other people that have some kind of platform that can. Yeah. Um, and talk to well, listen, that I don't know about, but everybody can get involved in get out the vote calls when Joe Biden officially becomes the nominee. And we'll, we'll talk about more ways to get involved in a few months, Leah. OK, all right. But thank you very much. I was just I'm just a little bit concerned that people are switching, not yeah. realizing. I think democracy, the word was used too much in the past. And now people don't realize that, like, if you don't get out and vote. That is this is the this is the end. Right. Right. All right, Leah, thank you. By the way, is it you instead of saying MAGA, you seem to be saying MEGA. Is that a Wisconsin accent? What is that? I might not have had my 
my face right next to the phone. I definitely know Mega. I think Mega. I'm just so work. Mega. Yeah, I'm still hearing it differently. That's interesting. We'll review the tapes. All right, Leah. Thank you. It, it could totally be a Wisconsin accent. Could thing. be, could be, could be. All right. Thanks, Leah. Leah from Wisconsin. Compelling stuff for sure. Let's go next to Jose Carlos from the state of Florida. Jose, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Please unmute yourself. You can hear me, right, sir? Yes, sir. Hopefully my mic isn't too terrible. But yeah, thanks for that. I was just interested because um, basically I, I'm pretty sure you heard of like sanctuary cities, especially with like Abbott, like bossing people as part of like his Lone Star thing. Yes. And, and your perspective on like sanctuary cities is like kind of what I'm interested in getting because I think on the left, it's going to be like a losing issue for you guys. In what sense? When you say you guys, are you on the right? I'm on the right. Yeah. And I just okay. feel like because, for example, in Chicago, I don't have let me just see it right here. Some members of like Chicago City wanted to like have a vote to determine like the sanctuary city status. But it was the mayor's like allies who like basically shut the proposal down. And I, I can go into it more, but I just want to hear your perspective first. Here's my take on this. OK. Um, I'm in favor of legal immigration to the United States. The United States has a right to enforce a border, to have immigration policies, all of those things without question. When we talk about a sanctuary city, it's often framed as a city that has decided that it is going to harbor and protect uh, criminal undocumented immigrants who have committed actual violent crimes, for example. I know there are people on the right who go, well, just being here is illegal, but that's that's not the, the impression that's often given is these are people committing violent crimes and then being hidden by police. What a okay. sanctuary city is doing is they're saying we are not going to go out of our way to help federal agencies just find people who are undocumented. If someone commits a crime in our city, it could be a misdemeanor or a felony. If police stop them in a traffic stop, we are going to work those encounters based on our knowledge of the facts of what they did. Were they speeding? Did they steal a candy bar? Whatever the case may be. We don't have you. a responsibility to start asking for immigration papers to function as a federal law enforcement agency. We're just local police. I think that that's completely legitimate in particular. And, and it's I think it's completely legitimate regardless of your view of the legality of what these federal agencies are doing. These local okay. law enforcement agencies don't have any responsibility to do that. It is for federal law enforcement to you know, find visa overstayers or whatever it is. I don't have a problem with the idea of a sanctuary city because of what it actually is. Now, if you're going to say to me, Jose, well, what about people who have actually committed a violent crime? Well, then they should be absolutely charged and prosecuted for that violent crime. Oh, yeah. If there is a process that. there by which it is determined this person is not even here legally, they're subject to deportation and they're going to be deported. I have no problem with that. Oh, yeah, I guess I'm not really that's an issue. I guess for me, though, for me, like I think like for sanctuary cities, one big issue is especially like you would like you've been on YouTube, if you like YouTube, like sanctuary city, there's a bunch of Chicago residents like protesting it. Like in Chicago, I believe like I don't I believe there was like a park. that was even um 
that was made into like a migrant pl like place for migrants to stay. Like, for example, so listen, right here, you, you got to go and ask the people. I don't know anything about that. Oh, no, no, and that's sorry, a very sorry, specific I think he's a better way. Sorry about like being confusing. I guess yeah. a better. I'll just frame it in like an easier way. Okay. Do you think like sanctuary cities are going to be a good policy? Like, I guess in a sense, do you think it says something that should be supported? In a sense that continues supported by a like democratic national party and made a part of the part of their platform. I don't do even care. I don't even think that the DNC should have as part of their national platform something that is really about local law enforcement. I just don't it's I'm not looking. Let me put it this way. I don't care what Joe Biden's policy is on sanctuary cities to the extent that Joe Biden is the head of the federal government. And these are decisions to be made locally. States can figure it out. Cities can figure it out and voters can decide in those states. Do I like what the mayor's doing? Do I like what the governor is doing? If I were Democrats, I wouldn't be running for or against sanctuary cities one way or the other. That's an interesting perspective to put it. I guess for me, it just felt I don't I'm not, I'm, I don't want to take up too much of y'all's time, but it just felt like a little bit I don't know if it's a little bit hypocrisy in a sense, because states like, for example, like in New York, as you can see now in the news, yeah, they declared themselves like a sanctuary city state, like during the Trump years. And now they're busing migrants out. They're literally like flying them out. Do you yep. think in that sense, it's just, that's kind of hypocrisy upon the sanctuary states? Or do you think that's just a response to like Abbott, like busing people to like New York and such. It seems to me to be a response to what some of these uh, Republican governors are doing. But Jose, before I let you go, what do you like most about Trump? But Trump, I'll be honest, I'm not really I'm not really I wouldn't prefer Trump. I feel like on like on the right of you talk to like a lot of us, we don't really feel that Trump necessarily is being like a good nominee is be a good person by like not showing up to the debate. I guess on a very basic level, I can't really say I really had a lot of things to say about Trump. I guess like honestly, like immigration would probably be one policy. What did you sense. like that he did on immigration? Immigration, I guess the trying to construct a wall, even though he couldn't finish it, is something that I support. I'll be honest, I haven't really researched Trump specifically. But you're going to so vote guess, for him? I don't. Honestly, I would probably vote for like the right candidate, either like Trump, like either I much as I don't want to say I wouldn't vote for Trump. It's kind of like you saying that previous example of the past speaker, pardon me if I got that person. If I don't really vote for someone unnecessarily, like on a Republican side, that's going to be a vote for the left. If yeah. Trump is a nominee, as much as I would really hate to vote for him, because I would rather have someone like Vivek or DeSantis like as my nominee, I would probably vote for him. Based on like that issue and many gotcha. as a whole, but yeah, you tried building Thank you the for wall. Your time. I gotcha. That's all it. But. Thank you so much. And by I, by the way, I, Desantis, I actually like that pronunciation way better. He should actually <laughs> go by that. I really like that, Jose. Thank you so much. All right, there is Jose Car Carlos from Florida. We will go to a break. We will take calls again, just not today. I want to tell you about an awesome free weekly five minute video series on the economy. It's called Tycos featuring Richard Vague. The Tycos video series is sponsoring our show today. Richard Vague is an economic expert, former secretary of banking and securities for Pennsylvania. I've always thought that Vague was a great voice on macroeconomics, the US economy, government, individual debt, income inequality. 
Every week, Richard Vague covers economic topics to keep you up to date with the key economic issues of our time. U.S. debt forecasts for the U.S. economy, economic challenges facing Europe and China, innovative policy ideas. Richard's the author of the economic bestsellers, A Brief History of Doom, The Case for a Debt Jubilee, and his latest book, which I've talked about before, The Paradox of Debt, really fascinating book about how government deficit spending in the U.S. during the pandemic mostly benefited the top 10 percent. Richard Vague is excellent at taking really complicated economic issues, making them accessible to anyone. He does a really great job of this with his five minute video series. It's called Tycos, which you can subscribe to for free at tycosgroup.org slash join. The link is down below. All right, it's time for Friday feedback. We look at some of the feedback on the show from the last week. You can always email info at davidpackman.com. Sometimes YouTube comments will be highlighted, sometimes a Reddit post or could really be anything. People sending letters maybe will be featured here. Let's start with a reaction to the Mike Johnson doesn't have a bank account reporting. The new speaker of the House hasn't disclosed bank accounts and it's not really clear why. T.A.D. Robinson wrote in and said, do you have a bank account, David? If he has to disclose info, so do you. And of course, this is not true. I am just a lowly podcast host. I am not in public service. People's taxes don't pay my salary. I have a private company. I don't have to disclose a bank account. This is a red herring. This has nothing to do with what's going on with Mike Johnson. And to T.A.D. Robinson or Tad Robinson, what I would say is, don't you think that the people whose salaries you pay should be accountable and that you have a right to say if these are the rules for financial disclosure, you should have to abide by them? Isn't that something you want? Why are you reflexively defending Mike Robinson with a very strange financial situation? You should be saying, hey, my tax money should be going in an accountable way. What is going on with this guy? Why isn't he? Why doesn't he have bank accounts or where is his money or whatever? David, show us your bank account. Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, we do have a number of uh, moon landing didn't happen. Conspiracy theorists in the audience. We recently reviewed a clip of Candace Owens being interviewed by Bill Maher. And she said she doesn't think that the moon landing happened. And I thought nobody's left who believes that. Right. And yet Brian Bowman commented. But yet we have one of the astronauts saying it was all smoke and mirrors done on a movie set. Buzz Aldridge claiming it's fake. Buzz Aldridge is not the name of one of the people that went to the moon. It's Buzz Aldrin. Why let the details get in the way? And who the hell was filming outside the landing lunar for that first step on the moon? We didn't have the tech back then to have a camera mounted on the outside of the capsule. We can barely get into space now. How the hell do you actually think they did it in 1969? So most of this stuff never happened. Okay. The idea that it was all done on a movie set. This is taken completely out of context that in 2000, Buzz Aldrin said there were animations used to augment people's understanding of what was going on. And people like this guy, Brian, 
have either misinterpreted it or misunderstood it or are deliberately misstating it as proof that it was staged in a movie set. That's not the case. There are a bunch of online videos and interview clips which have been taken completely out of context where Aldrin jokes and says it was a prank. It's an obvious joke that's taken out of context. Buzz Aldrin has never claimed that anything was fake. And again, there is corroborating data and observations from the space agencies of multiple other countries who would have loved to have proven that the United States didn't really go to the moon. They all had corroborating data. If it was faked, the Russian space agency and all they would have loved to have said, hey, they didn't really do this and we have the proof. So how people still fall for this stuff, I really don't get it. Here's a climate science denier. Here's another interesting one. Tellus wrote in and said, quick question. Why is the water level in front of the Statue of Liberty at the same level that it was 100 years ago in pictures? The suggestion here is if there is really sea level rise, why do the pictures of the Statue of Liberty look like the water level is exactly the same as 100 years ago? Well, first and foremost, it isn't. And the idea that you can tell the exact water level by looking at pictures from various angles of the Statue of Liberty is pretty silly. But there's a bunch of other things that are important to consider. Number one, the change is incremental. Global sea level rise is gradual. We're talking about millimeters per year. And over a century, we're talking about inches to a foot. If you look at the size of the Statue of Liberty, do you really think that from pictures you can discern a one foot change? Additionally, when you talk about sea level rise, it's not uniform everywhere. There are different oceans and seas. The amount of sea level rise is different in different places. It's what's called local variation. And also tidal variations and wind can make it look as though at different times of day the water level is higher or lower. And the idea that with pictures of the Statue of Liberty, you're going to account for all of those things to come up with such a statement like the water level around the Statue of Liberty hasn't changed for 100 years. Never mind the fact that there have been renovations and modifications done to the shoreline around the Statue of Liberty. So this is like the classic. I'm an incredibly confident person related to things I know nothing about at all. Just I know nothing about this, but I think I'm really uh, knowledgeable and I'm going to try to make a point. Um, Other messages that came in for a guy who's supposedly in a dementia induced coma, that Brandon fella sure knows how to carry out diabolical plots like increasing GDP growth, lowering unemployment and funding infrastructure projects. Yeah, Joe Biden is simultaneously in a dementia induced coma and a brilliant mob boss who has enriched himself through crimes over 40 years for which there is no evidence left because he's done such a genius job of cleaning the entire thing up. I know it's hard to believe. I know it's hard to believe. Here's someone who wants to debunk me. Great. Uh, They say, what time is your podcast? I'll call. I'll be respectful and respectfully debunk 99 percent of what you say with facts and statistics. 
If you're being honest and not afraid, PM me. It's the wrong your. OK, I'm not going to PM you. OK, I'm too busy doing the show to PM you. But people who want to confront me and people who want to debunk me, not only are you welcome to call in, I encourage you to call in on discord when we take live calls. I would love to speak with you. I would love to speak with speak with you. Vince Gonzalez senior wrote in and says, I'm a Christian, a retired minister, and he, Mike Johnson, scares me like there's no tomorrow. He is so self-absorbed and self-righteous. It's frightening. Anyone who claims God has literally spoken to them is scary. I believe God has spoken to me through his word, and that's one thing. But to believe God has literally, audibly, prophetically spoken to them is truly dangerous and sad. That's Reverend Vincent O. Holland Gonzalez Sr. You, you heard it from a Christian minister. If you think God is personally talking to you, there might be something a little off. Interpret it however you want. Here's William Lukasik, who says, how old is the earth? The climate change is all the time. Thirty five years ago, it was, oh, it's going to be an ice age coming now. It's like going to be too hot. The earth naturally does this. What is wrong with people? Trump 2024. I think this one has to be a presented without comment. I, I don't think I could possibly contend with that. And then lastly, today, Alan Richard says, dude, dude, seriously, dude, I know it's for a good cause and all that. But dude, seriously, seriously, dude, you have got to lose that mo referring to my mustache. It is for a good cause. I'm doing no shave November. Some people call it Movember uh, in order to support and spotlight prostate cancer, testicular cancer and men's mental health, including suicide prevention. I am calling negative attention to myself by not shaving my mustache for the month of November. It's going to be with us through and beyond Thanksgiving into the final days of November, but then it will go away. It will go away the way Trump said COVID would go away very quickly with just a few cases in April of 2020. But the mustache really will go away, unlike Trump's prediction about COVID. All right. So I appreciate the messages of support about Movember. I sympathize with the people saying that this is very bad. The one thing I'm going to throw out there and I want to hear from people about this before the mustache goes bye bye. Would it be interesting to get some of the comb in hair dye to thicken the appearance of the mustache for the last few days of November after Thanksgiving? If folks are interested in a darkened mustache just to see the comedic value and so on and so forth, please let me know. Info at davidpackman.com. For people who just listen, you're missing this entire fiasco. And for that, you should be very grateful. We've got a great bonus show coming up for you today. Oh, the bonus show where you want to make money. Everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad. Yeah, get access to the bonus show. It triggers Alex Jones every time you do. We will see you then. And otherwise, we will be here all night.